I'm Brittany Pompano. I'm the online pastor at Legacy Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. This is an original series on family relationships called This Is Us, a deep dive into the dynamics and design God has for your legacy. We hope this series encourages you and helps you experience what God is doing in your family. Enjoy the message. Well, man, it is great to be with you guys. I, I know that this has been a wild week. For a lot of people, not just uh, in our congregation, but in the world. Forgive me, I'm going to move my microphone over here. Um, I would like to let you guys know that if you have kids and you want them to go to kids church, they are more than welcome to go to kids church. They're going to be rolling over there with Miss Macy right there. Give it up for the kids, uh, kids workers. You guys do such a great job. We're so grateful for you. And I'll tell you what, those of you who are sitting over here on the sides, would you come join us? we got a whole bunch of tables up here. Um, I'm believing that God has something powerful for us this morning. And there, believe it or not, there are some people in our church here right now that don't know that we use a pulpit. <laughs> Did you know that? Um, but I'll tell you what, I, I know this. I know that God has something powerful for us because... Um, the things that are going on around our world are not, um, they shouldn't shock us, but they do, because the Bible tells us what's going to happen, and the major frustration, I'll just be real with you, for me this week has been reconciling my faith with what I see on the news, reconciling my good, gracious, providing father with what we saw happen in Afghanistan this week. This is not political. I'm not going to get political. Don't worry. Um, but I think there is room to be pastoral. And so that's my calling. That's where we're going we're gonna to start this morning. Um, I would love it if we would uh, have some prayer for our fellow brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, uh, those who are in the church and those who aren't. The ones who are in the church, uh, I know Christine Kane put it out that some of them plan to meet Jesus face to face in the next two weeks. Those who are not followers of the Lord, they may meet somebody else in the next two weeks. And so for some of these churches, they have two weeks to get as many people saved as possible. And, and I'm going to share an opportunity that we have together to partner with uh, an organization to help that possible. But before we even get that, I want to make sure that we're covered here. Um, and I know that there are a couple of people here who need some serious prayer um, you need to see God uh, miraculously hear you, heal you. You need to see God do a miracle in your life. And um, we don't do this a lot. So I'm going to ask you, if, if that's you, would you come forward for just a second? Um, if you need a, a physical healing or you need God to do something big in your life, will you please come forward for just a second? I, I believe this. I believe that God responds to faith, but more than that, God responds to faith in motion. He says, faith without works is dead. And so he said, my house will be a house of prayer. And this morning, we got to pray over some people. And so I would love it if, if those of you who call this your home church, would you join me up here to help me pray over these people? We're going to believe together. Um, I know Kevin needs a physical healing in his feet. Um, we're praying for... Awesome. Yeah. You know, give me the strength. Yeah, you've come a long way. Yeah. You've come a long way. 
you guys have come a long way. And so I just want to take a couple minutes and pray. So if you are a believer, get up here. We believe in prayer. That is one of the, one of the pillars that uh, this church is built on. So come on, come on, come on. Huddle up, huddle up. Let's, let's do this. Those of you who are online, I know, um, I know this is really a different kind of experience, but I'd love it if you would even stretch your hand out or put your hand on the phone or the iPad and, and just reach out and pray with us. But Father, I pray right now in the powerful and the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would work on the behalf of the Castanetas. Father, that your spirit would invade not just their, their, their own souls, but God, their entire household. Would you use them? Would you continue to lead them? Would you heal them where it's needed, God? Would you continue to do a work in and through their family? Father, we thank you so much for Robert and what he means to you and your kingdom. And so, Father, I pray that you keep him close to your heart every day, that he would know your power every single day of his life, that you would continue to walk with him and teach him the things that you have for him in his life. And then, Father, I pray for Kevin. God, he needs a healing in his feet. And there are so many times in scripture that we read that you just came and touched somebody and they were healed. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I am asking for a complete, miraculous, divine healing in his feet. God, that he wouldn't have to go to the doctors anymore to figure out what's going on. He would just be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray also for our brothers and our sisters in Afghanistan. The pastors and the churches there, God, would you give them faith? Would you give them strength and courage to to meet the current situation. Father, I pray that you comfort hearts. I know that there are pastors this morning that are waking up and going to church. They're going to preach their last message before they meet you. And so, Father, our heart breaks with them. And I pray that your sovereignty would reign that your miracles would be on display, that people would come to know you in the thousands and the hundreds of thousands because of what's going on. Father, I pray for the Christians there that you would empower them, that you would embolden them, that you would continue to move and guide in their lives. Father, we pray for, for Haiti and all that they are going through there with the, uh, uh, the earthquake, God. I pray your, uh, your faithfulness would be seen in that country. God, we are asking some pretty big things here. And so I pray that you would uh, use us, use us this morning to continue to uh, further your kingdom. You've heard our requests, and now we expect you to move as we move with you. We love you, we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Give me for just a second here, guys. There we go. All better. All right. Cool. Um, well, like I said, there's, there's, uh, I know there's people online. I'm actually watching the chat. So, hey, if you're, uh, if you're on Facebook or you're on uh, YouTube, let me know. Put it in the chat. I'm seeing uh, Emily Miller's with us. Sandy Banks is with us. That's awesome. Guys, it's good to see you. Um, we have an opportunity today to partner with an organization, and really, I guess it's not today. I'm announcing it today. We're going to do this next week. There's an organization called Fire Bibles. Has anybody ever heard of Fire Bibles? Okay, let me give you the quick rundown. They have set it in their minds that they are going to translate the Bible into every language. 
so that people can understand and hear the gospel story in their native tongue. And so what, what Fire Bibles does is they get the translations, they print it in a study Bible format, which means it's not just scripture, it's also resources that help pastors preach and that help Christians get further along in their relationship with Christ. And I think it costs about $10 a Bible to, to translate it, to uh, print it, and then to distribute it. It's about 10 bucks a Bible. And so I'm, I'm going to challenge you guys. One of the places that they distribute Bibles is Afghanistan. They will smuggle these Bibles into different places that can't see or can't get a copy of the Bible. And it's because of them that people are coming to know Jesus. And we could partner with them. And so what I'm going to challenge you to do is this week, go home, look through your entire house, and count up how many Bibles you have. For some of us, that's one, maybe two. For others, like me, I'm, I'm pushing 10, 12, 13 maybe. And what I'm going to ask you to do is for every Bible in your house, give $10. Okay? We believe as a church in giving extravagantly. We give generously because we've been given so generously too. In fact, in, in a later part of my message, I'm going to dive into this, but someone invested in the kingdom of God so that you could sit where you're sitting this morning. Somewhere, someone along the way invested, and they believed that God was powerful enough to do what he said he was going to do, that they invested their, their time and their money and their talents so that you could sit and experience what we're experiencing, so that you could watch what you're watching right now, so that you could hear the gospel message from Tustin, wherever you're watching from. And so that's something we're going to do next week. I'd love it if you would pray about that this week. See what God puts on your heart. And, and let's give. The nice thing is we're not giving alone. We are actually partnering with 13 other churches simultaneously doing the same thing next Sunday. And we're going to just see how many Bibles we can buy through Fire Bible so that people can come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I know that people have gotten these Bibles, and because they're study Bibles, they have started Bible studies that turn into small groups, that turn into small churches, that get people saved. And so your investment of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 dollars will actually end up increasing the number of people in the kingdom. That's, that's something I believe that God will do. Amen? Amen. Hey, will you do me a favor? Stand up to your feet one more time. We believe in honoring the scripture. And this morning we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 6. And it says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths can't uh, destroy, where rust can't take it, and the thieves don't break in. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't they far more valuable to him than, you, than they are? Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? 
can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today has enough trouble for today. Father, I pray that you would use this time, these words, to bring honor and glory to your kingdom. Father, I pray that you'd open our hearts to hear what you have to say. We know that you're speaking, and we give you preeminence in this place. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. And everyone said together, amen, amen. amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, I want to tell you a quick story. Last, last week, we got to tell you uh, kind of an awkward story about me, and, and uh, one of the things that I went through in my junior high and high school years, and, and it's one of, honestly one of the things that has um, shaped who I am. Because I went through something difficult, I did something wrong. Um, for those of you who weren't here, I, I cheated. I got caught, and then I cheated again, and I got more caught, and it ended up in school. Yeah, sorry, in school. I did not cheat on my wife. Um, I've been very faithful to her. You're welcome. Thank you. Anyway, it's one of the things. <laughs> thank, thanks for laughing with me. It's, it's one of the things that has actually shaped who I am. It's, it's one of the things that frustrates me the most when people cheat and get ahead. Now, I'm competitive. I, I try to stay away from board games as much as I can because if I'm going to play a board game, I don't want to just win. I want to beat you. Okay? I, I don't want to just casually win and, and say, oh, good game, everybody. I'm going to put it in your face. I won. You suck. Amen. Probably shouldn't say that. Come back next week and I won't say that. But here's a, here's a fun story for you, okay? Uh, when we lived in Colorado, I was about six, five, six years old. Um, I had my eye on this really cool metallic purple bike. It was like a deep, deep purple. It almost looked black, but in the right sun, oh, it just, it shined. It was so cool. It was at Walmart, and I remember thinking, I want this bike. I, I had just learned how to ride a bike, and the bike that I was on was a little too small for me. And so I went to mom and dad, and I said, Mom, Dad, will you buy me this bike? Well, my, my parents didn't make a ton of money at the time. And really, that's not on them. They decided to turn that into a lesson for me. And they said, yes, we will help you buy it, but here's what's, here's what's going to happen. You're going to save money for it. And I believe every dollar that you saved, they matched my dollar. So they said, if you want this bike, you can do chores, you can go to neighbors, you can do work for it. Like they taught me at five, six years old to work for what I had. And I am extraordinarily grateful for this. So I began to, to help around the house. I don't know all of the things because, again, I was five or six years old. I don't remember the whole process of this. But I do remember this. On Mother's Day... We went to Red Robin and celebrated my mom. And at the dinner table, they told me that I had finally, 
after a long time, I'm sure it was only a couple of weeks, but it felt like years to me, I had finally saved up enough money to buy the bike. So we're sitting at Red Robin, and they said, hey, what if we went to, to Walmart on the way home, and we got your, your bike from what they call layaway? Some of y'all don't know what layaway is, and I'll pray for you. But um, they used to have this program where you could put something away and put it on hold while you saved up the money to do it. Instead of paying for it with a credit card, they actually let you work the money up so that you could buy the thing, which I wish more places would do, says like uh, We would just be such such a better society if we didn't rely on credit cards to just give us instant gratification. So anyway, I saved up this money and I bought this bike and I remember loving this bike. It was so big that I had to like step up on the curb to get onto the bike. That's how big this bike was for me. And then I rode it a couple times and, and, and eventually I got to the point where I enjoyed it. But while all of my friends were thrashing their bikes... They'd get off and they'd just throw it in the middle of the street or throw it on the sidewalk or throw it in the lawn. When they did that, I would take my bike and gingerly put the kickstand up. Ding. And I'd lean it up against the kickstand and I took care of it because I cared about my bike. And it set in motion one of my favorite things in life, and that is saving for something that I want. Now, fast forward uh, a couple of years, maybe, maybe a couple of decades, and let's see here, almost seven years ago, um, I started saving, about eight years ago, I started saving. Again, I put some money in uh, a little watch container in my room, and I, I would take money out of every paycheck, and after I paid my tithe, I would, I would put money in this can, and eventually it got to the point where it wasn't like, 20s that I was throwing in, I started throwing in hundreds out of every paycheck. And I'm not balling, Alex. I'm just putting money away because I wanted to buy something. And when I finally felt like I had enough, I called my dad and I said, hey, dad, I need you to come down. He was living up north at the time. I want to go buy a ring to propose to Brittany. And the night before I went to buy the ring, my grandfather came to me and he handed me a $100 bill and he said, hey, Put this towards the ring for your bride. And I told Papa, I said, Papa, thank you so much. I've got to decline. Because every penny that I have put in this, I have earned. I am working to show my love for my wife. And now many times since then, I have stashed money away, and Brittany knows this about me. Uh, I will, I'm, I'm like a little chipmunk, man. I will put money in all kinds of places to, to store it up and to save it. I love putting it in, into Dogecoin. I love to, come on, come on, Matt, that's right. I love to put my money into stocks. I love to invest my money. I love to watch the money grow. I love to keep track of it and see where it's going. Why is this important? Because we're talking about finances today. Why is finances important to the family? Because outside of infidelity, finances are the main reasons marriage falls apart. Did you know this? That finances, like financial frustration, claims almost a quarter of marriages. That's what the new statistic is for 2021, that like 23 point something percent of all marriages will end because of some kind of financial frustration. 
So this is a big thing. And one of the cool parts is we've been talking about God's laws this whole time. God has some ideas for you and your finances. So regardless of where you are on the journey of being married or, or having a family, you can pay attention today. So I want to encourage you. If you need to take notes, take notes. There are uh, uh, binders over there on the tables. In fact, um, if Alex, if you would, would you grab a couple and raise your hand if you want a binder. We'll bring one to you so you can take notes. But write these things down, okay? There are things that God has for you and your family in your finances that we're going to discover today. So as I'm, as I'm reading and as I'm studying this, uh, this week, man, uh, this cracks me up. Uh, I talk to a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people in our church. I talk to a lot of people out of, outside of our church. And one of my most frustrating conversations that I have with people is, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. I just can't afford it. I'll, I'll give, but I can't tithe. Well, why can't you tithe? Well, because I've got bills, and I've got credit cards, and I've got kids, and I've got rent, and I've got X, Y, Z. Okay, I understand that. I was sitting with someone this week, and I actually told them, I can't afford not to tithe. I need the blessing that God puts on the rest of my money. Really, it's his money anyway, and I just live that way. But I need his blessing on that that I need to give back to him. In fact, I have a check that I earned this weekend that I haven't cashed yet. And I'm already excited tomorrow morning to put it in the bank and give online. I'm already excited to tithe off of what God gave me because I believe and I trust in him. But there are people who tithe regularly in this church. There are people who tithe extravagantly in this church. And when I say tithe extravagant, like they are just regular givers and they're going to give more than their 10%. They're going to go above and beyond because they know that God's going to use it and God's going to bless them for it and he's going to use it to expand his kingdom. And I'll be honest with you, whether you, you got on the, the Ethereum chain or you're on Dogecoin or you like the stock market or you just like uh, buying bonds, there is no better investment than investing in the kingdom of God because nothing else is eternal like that. So I'm not coming to you out of a place of, of frustration today. Hear me, I, I am not frustrated with anybody in this place. I'm glad we get to have a family conversation today, though, about our finances, because God wants to bless our finances. You know what's really funny? Is people who tithe give of their resources. That means that they can start even if they don't have any money. Tithing is a much, much more a matter of the heart than it is a matter of your wallet. So they will give of their resources, meaning they aren't making capital. Like, even if they aren't making capital, they can still give because they're giving of their resources. They're giving of their time. They're giving what little they have to, to expand the kingdom. I remember in one of our launch meetings, we presented a need for a family, and there was one person specifically who came to me afterwards. We, we took up an offering for a family that needed it, and one person said, hey, I, I gave $7. Um, I wish it could be more, but I zeroed out my bank account. I zeroed out my bank account so that they could have what they needed. That's powerful. And it's why the principle of tithe is 10%, not a money, uh, not, not an actual like number of money that you're supposed to give. He says give 10%. That means whatever we make, we're all giving the same amount. 
That means regardless of where you are on your faith journey, regardless of how much money you have made today, tomorrow, yesterday, whatever, it's an even playing field. We're all giving 10%. And I want to challenge you, if you are not tithing, start today. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not pushing so that we get more money as a church. Okay? I'll be honest with you. There are generous people outside of our church that are helping fund the ministry that is going, uh, that's happening here. That's not to say we don't need any more money. We can do more if we have more money. But I want to encourage you, you need the blessing that God will put on you in your life more than we need the money. People who don't tithe give reasons why they can't. So people who do tithe, they give of their resources. People who can't tithe, they give reasons. And as I was studying this, God said, if you look at the parable of the talents or the parable of the, the bags of silver that we, we actually dug into a few weeks ago, resources get raises. The people who were resourceful, they got raises. The people who gave reasons got rebuked. So resources, resources is a way of living. Resources is saying, it's not about how much money I have. This is about a posture of my heart. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be in the work with him. And we get to partner together with him. So there are a couple of rules. The first rule of finances in, in the family, write this down, tithe. It's easy. It sounds hard. It's actually very easy. Because we all pay rent somewhere. You're doing it already. In fact, some places have made it so easy that you can do automatic withdrawals from your bank account. Did you know that? So you don't even, like, think about it. Now, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe you have to watch how much you're spending around that first time or that first week of the month. That's fine. But we're already doing it. So get into a rhythm of tithing. Tithing puts God first in your finances, in your family, and in your future. We've been talking about um, the family dynamics, and um, some of you have been wondering why your kids won't listen to you when you tell them what to do. And I want to submit to you that it might just be you're not listening to your Heavenly Father when He tells you what to do. This, this concept of tithing is not man-based. This is heaven-based. This is God coming to us and saying, I'm asking you to partner with me, to give back to me. Really, to bring me what's mine. Because when it comes to the tithe, you have two options. You can bring it or you can steal it. Those are your options. You can bring it back. You can't give it because really you're returning to God what's already his. If, if Brooke, if I let you use something of mine, you're not going to bring it to me and say, hey, look, I'm going to give you this. Well, no, it's mine. I might smack you a little bit. You can't give me what's mine. You can bring it. Or if you don't bring it, that's called what? Stealing. He's not suggested that you tithe. He's told you. He's demanded that you tithe. And some of you are throwing tantrums about it like a toddler. And I want to tell you, as your pastor and as the mouthpiece from God, it's not optional. Tithing comes first. And I'll even go to say this. If it's not the first 10%, it's not the tithe. 
Because the tithe is supposed to cost something to us. It's why when he talks about the, the offerings in Genesis between Cain and Abel, one was found to be pure and the other one wasn't. Because Abel brought the first fruits. Cain brought what was left. God doesn't want you to bring what's left. He wants you to give him the first. He wants the best. He wants the best for you. And he's only able to bless the tithe. All right, that's, that's rule number one, okay? We're going to get off that. Rule number two, you ready for this? Write this one down. Budget. Budget. There are people here that are very, very good at budgeting. If you feel like you, uh, you are good at budgeting, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Good at budgeting. Cool. If you're not raising your hand, go find one of those people. Become friends with them because it's important that you do this. It will help you relax at night. Okay? I remember when Brittany and I, um, Brittany and I uh, started uh, kind of starting to merge our lives together. We put all of our money into one bank account, and then we really realized who was good with money and who wasn't. And we really realized, like, who was good at, at budgeting and who wasn't. If you haven't gone through this yet, it is a wild process when you get married to merge accounts. Which, by the way, sidebar, this isn't in my notes. When you marry someone, do a joint account. Don't make it their money and, and my money. Because it says the two will become one. And if you keep your money separate, we're going to learn in just a second. Well, he already said it. Where your money is, that's where your heart's at. And so are you going to go into marriage and keep your heart separate? Are you going to say, I love you with everything I am, but actually I'm going to keep this over here for me? I'm going to love you half of this house. That's just dangerous. So I want to encourage you, think now to start investing your money with your spouse. If you're not married, don't put your money in with somebody else. You're going to be sorry for it eventually, all right? Budget. Budgeting uh, is saving money for future generations and projects. What if you spent your money in a way, we've started asking ourselves this, um, we're saving to buy a house. That's, that's our big goal. We want to buy a home in the next couple of months. And so every time we go to uh, the store, we have to actually pit our house against this object that we're looking at buying. Right? It's fall, and all the women love these crazy fall decorations. And my wife is geeking out over the new Magnolia Hearth and Hand stuff at Target. I am too. Don't, I'm just a fangirl. So. Um, <laughs> we literally have had to ask ourselves in the last week, what do we want more? Do we want that decoration or our house? And if you have a budget in place, you could spend the money the way the budget dictates. So you know that you have the tithes set aside. You know that you have rent coming in approximately eight days, nine days from now. Yeah, I guess some of you do know that. <laughs> guess what? The bank is going to expect the mortgage in nine days. That's just the way life rolls. And then guess what? If you want to stay on Facebook, you got to pay your phone bill. And if you want to have food, you got to make sure that you put somewhere in that budget, please don't forget food in your budget. It's often overlooked, and it's often a mistake because it's where the most money gets spent. A couple weeks ago, Brittany calls me. She's like, hey, so you're spending a lot of money at Starbucks. 
And I said, I know, babe. I like, I, I, I like coffee. And she's like, I know, but babe, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So we started looking at our budget and saying, okay, what can we afford? What should we be? And then every time I go to Starbucks now, I'm saying, do I want this cup of coffee or do I want my house? And guess what? I've had one cup of Starbucks in the last three weeks. Yeah, that's right. I've had plenty of coffee, so don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> I've just chosen to go with the 35-cent cup of coffee over the $5 cup. Because every cup of coffee that I'm willing to give up at Starbucks means I can buy... Uh, well, let me just put it to you this way. Um, Ten cups of coffee at Starbucks will buy you a door. So I figure in, in our house, we're going to, I know, Kelsey, I'm a nerd. This is how it processes in my mind. So I figure, okay, I can either have the door to the bathroom for privacy reasons, or I can have this cup of coffee. What if you played that out in your own mind? Like, if, if we would actually do this with life, we would all be so much better off financially. But if we looked at our budget and said, okay, we've set aside this amount of money to have fun this month. It was so fun to be able to go on a date with Brittany this weekend. And guess what? We had set the money aside. We knew we could do it. And so we went and had a great time and didn't have to worry about the bill coming because it was a part of our budget. So I want to encourage you, sit down with your spouse, sit down, single people, sit down by yourself, and look, where are you spending the most amount of money, and what can you do to save money? We as a culture have embraced this idea that we have to spend every dollar that comes into our account, or we're going to lose it, when the reality is the exact opposite, that if you'll stop spending and put it in a savings account, it'll make you more money, and it'll be better for you. Wow. Isn't this crazy? Did you know that? Uh, did you know that if you will show me your bank statement, I can show you where your priorities are. I sat down with a CPA a couple of months ago, and and showed him some of our church's uh, financial statements. I said, "Hey, I, I need help. I want to understand these these numbers better. I want to understand how can we put money away for the future because we want to buy our own building." I want a place where we can go and the government can't tell us what to do. I'm, I'm finding myself dreaming at night about buying a house for the sheer fact that I don't want the Irvine company telling me what I can and can't have on my door. I think I touched a nerve a little bit. <laughs> Jeez. I hope nobody at Irvine company sees this. I'm dreaming about a place where I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, with what I have. And the only way I'm going to get there is if I budget and I save. I, can't, I don't have the luxury of spending every dollar that comes into my account like I did when I was 17. And I'll be real with you, those of you who are not far off from 17, I wish I did more saving. In fact, I would say until you are in college, you should probably live by the rule that you tithe 10% that you save 20, 30, 40, 50% of what you're making, and you live off of the, the rest, like the 30% that's rest. And, and if you can really, if you can really, left, thank you. I appreciate that one. If you can do that, if you can live within your means, you'll start to see that God will bless it more. That you're able to do more because you're freed up, you're not in debt. 
fact, the Bible talks specifically about being in debt, and he says, don't owe people money. So you've heard the saying, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Well, if you show me your bank account, I'll show you your future. The CPA looked at our bank account as a church, and he said, you guys like people. And I said, yeah, how'd you know? He goes, because all the reimbursement receipts are for dinners and lunches. Because you like being with people. The big expenditures are on parties. You guys value community. We do. As a matter of fact, it's one of our values. We celebrate our community. We like being together. We like loving on people. So I wonder if you spent... If you spent time looking over your bank statements saying, okay, where can I cut things? Where can I save things? Where can I choose to invest in the future? Rule number three, you ready for this? Don't store, invest. Scripture that we read earlier says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. You know what that means? You don't need the nicest everything. <laughs> Now, if you have nice things, there's no shame in that, okay? I remember hearing stories of, of married couples who got married, and they had this trash furniture because it's all they had, and they found it on the side of the road, and they were super grateful for it. And I remember getting married, and the first month of our marriage, we didn't have a bed. So we slept on an air mattress. That's how it worked. But I remember feeling guilty six months later when we had brand new couches, a nice television, a wonderful bed. We had all kinds of nice furniture, and I felt guilty because I had nice things that I didn't have to go through the struggle that all these other married couples had to go through. And instead of being frustrated and feeling guilty, I decided to turn to God and say, thank you for blessing me. Whatever I have, I'll give it to you. And you know what? We wore holes almost in those couches, having people over for small groups, being with people. We've gone through many, many rugs, and we're on our third set of couches in six years because we value having people in our home. We also have a toddler, so that plays a little bit into it. But we value spending time with people. We are investing. Everything that we have is God's. We don't store things here. We invest things for later. Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man leaves what he owns for his children's children. The riches of the sinner are stored up for those who are right with God. So don't store, invest. He talks about don't store up for yourself treasure. And I think that it's important to, to look at the wording because words matter in, in Scripture. Uh, in fact, English is such a, a terrible language when it comes to the meaning and the gravity of some words that when you look back at the original Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic, they mean so much more. Don't store up for yourselves treasures. Treasures are selfish. Right? When you're, when you're saving a treasure, it's just like, this is mine. Don't touch it. Don't look at it. This is mine. Levi's kind of starting to get into this, like, mine stage, right? Where it's his Mickey. You know, don't, don't touch his Mickey. That's not the attitude or the posture our hearts are supposed to have. We are supposed to be invested in what the kingdom has. So he says a good man, or, or other translations say a wise man, leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. So when I read through Proverbs and I say, man, I want to be wise. I want to be known as a wise person. In fact, all of this year I have spent digging into what does it mean to have wisdom. 
That's my personal studying this year that I'm really diving into. I want to grow in wisdom. I want to know what God wants before anybody else. And not, not for selfish reasons. I just want to know so we can get there. I want to go so we can bring people with us. But if I'm going to be wise, I can't just study books. It also says I need to leave an inheritance to my children's children. That means Levi's kids get something from me when I die. That's why we're buying our first house. And we're not calling it our house. We're calling it our first house. It's not storing it up. You know what would be really cool is if we could buy a house and help support some of the Vanguard kids while they go through college with another house. We could bring them in and let them pay a lower rent so they could actually freaking afford something in Southern California. Amen. We would love to do that. We would love to be able to then, when Levi grows up and gets married, give them the keys to the house for their wedding. We haven't really talked about that, but it'd be really cool. We are saving and, and, and investing in our future. I want you to know this church is doing the same thing. This is not just something that Brittany and I are doing. This is something the church is doing. We take up at the end of each year, we're doing the expansion offering. And last year, we brought in about $15,000 in one offering. And you know what? Did you guys enjoy the coffee card a couple weeks ago? Yeah? Good. It's because of that offering that we got to enjoy the coffee card. Did you know that there are people here, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but there are people here who have come to this church because of a flyer that they got in their mailbox? They got that flyer because of the expansion offering last year. That we didn't have to worry about sending out a mailer to 5,000 different homes and paying the thousands of dollars that it costs to do that. We didn't have to worry about bringing in a coffee cart next month. We don't have to worry about going back into the building and paying a higher rent. We don't have to worry about bringing in a taco truck because last year there were people who chose to invest in the kingdom. We just get to take it out of the offering. We had money set aside to do projects all year that would expand the kingdom and grow this church. That's what the money's for. On top of that, we have a savings account that we are trying to add to regularly so that when the time comes, when the opportunity presents itself, we will be ready to buy a building. I want to lease a building. I want to be smart. I want to take a couple of years to grow this account so that we can pay cash for something. I don't want to be in a place where the church is, is relegated or underneath the government to pay for its building. I want to just pay cash for something. I don't know if you guys have ever thought this way, but how cool would it be to have a building paid for in cash that we can enjoy as a church together? So that when the time comes for us to have our first conference together, we don't have to go lease a venue. <coughs> when the time comes for us to have an indoor play place for our kids so they can be safe, we don't have to worry about it. We can pay the money for it. Because we've chosen as a church, we've postured ourselves as a community to invest, not to store. Storing is, I don't want to do anything outside of, of I, we used to say these four walls, but let's say this, these six pillars. <laughs> but instead, we're choosing next week to take up an offering for fire Bibles. We are choosing to invest as a church in the gear that we need to make sure people online hear the gospel. We choose as a church to make sure that people across the world hear the gospel. 
Treasure is selfish. Resources are generational. If you give of your resources, you are able to invest for a future generation. So really, it's, it's about why you're storing it. Why are you storing things? Because it does say store up treasure in heaven. Really, I like the word invest. Because you're putting the money away in something that's going to bring a bigger value than what you originally put in. That's just called investing. It's about where you're investing. Are you investing in something like Starbucks every single day? <laughs> some of you just felt convicted and someone just cheers me with a Starbucks cup. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I'm not here to bring shame to anybody for any of that. I just want to encourage you, look at where you're spending your money and make sure it's, you're living within your means and then make sure that you're putting money away for future generations. Make sure you're putting money away so that more people can come to know Jesus. And then really, here's the big, big thing. Whose benefit are you storing it for? Whose benefit are you investing it for? I'll be real with you. Having a son changed everything in my world. Because, I mean, I, I love my wife, and she and I are going to be together until we die, and I'm excited about that, and it's been a wild ride that we have been on together. But having Levi puts a lot of things, even in our marriage, in perspective. That we get to benefit from each other's friendship and relationship all of our lives, but the next 18 years of our lives are spent investing into him. Investing into, hopefully, our other kids that we'll eventually have. No, we're not announcing anything. Calm down. <laughs> I want to encourage you. As your friend, as your pastor, as someone who is doing it currently in my own life, begin to invest in the kingdom of God first. If you will put the finances, like these rules of finance that God has for you into action in your own life, you will see a dividend. You will see a fruit in your family almost immediately. Those of you who are single, you will see God's blessing on your life now. In fact, I would even say if you're investing in the kingdom of God, if you're tithing, if you're budgeting, and if you're investing, not storing, you'll probably meet a higher quality person. To marry. Because guess what? You attract what you are. Did you know that? This is one of like the big things they tell you in church planting uh, classes. Like they have church planting 101. They don't really. It's, it's very convoluted and they should streamline it. Um, but one of the things they told us over and over and over is you attract what you are. Well, guess what? You guys are all like me. And I'm like you. We're awesome. I would have thought you would have liked that a little bit better. I just complimented you guys. You guys are a lot like me. We like tacos. You attract what you are. So guess what? If you're investing, you know what you attract? Tacos. No, no. If you invest, you attract other people who like to invest. And then you know what? You can start talking to them and sharing ideas and, and looking at things differently. And then you get a better, uh, a, a, maybe a more well-rounded view of how to invest your money. And then it goes further than you ever could before because there's this thing called community that you need to be a part of. If you're not involved in a small group or you have never been involved in a small group in our church, I want to encourage you to start with us in a couple of weeks because it changes the way that life is done for you. I know it's one more thing to the calendar. We try to make it worth your while. But let me tell you something. In a couple of weeks, we will have 
25 to 30 people in our living room. And I can't wait because we will pack these kids into this, into this living room and we will talk about some of the deepest, uh, heaviest parts of their lives and we're going to see what God has to say about it. But you know what? It looks like us spending an evening with other people. You know what it really is? It's us investing in the future. And so I want to encourage you. There are some people here who have not just been a part of small groups, but, but you've thought, I need to start one, and I want to encourage you to start one. I know there are people who need to be activated in their ministry gifts, and if you will put God first in all of it, he will bless it. Now, we have skipped one part of our service, and we're going to do it right now together. We're going to take up an offering. And I'm, I'm not doing this to strong-arm anybody, but I just want you to know what God says about the offering. God says, if you will bring the tithe, your first 10% into the storehouse, watch me open the windows and floodgates of heaven. Watch the blessing that I have stored here because I believe that God has, has blessings that he's waiting to give us. Watch me pour it out on you. So right now, I know that on a couple of the tables, there's buckets. If you need to get an envelope and a pen, I want to encourage you to get that ready. If you want to give online, go to legacychurch.online slash give, and you can give there. That's the easiest way to give for, for some of us. But I want to ask you this question. I'm, I don't want this to be accusatory. I don't want this to be shaming in any way. But if you believe that God is so big, why are you giving so small? If you believe that God is big, that he is capable of doing what he said he would do in his scriptures, then why aren't we giving like we believe him? Again, this is just to challenge, not to shame. I think it's good. Like I told you at the beginning, I'm competitive. And you know what? Last year, Brittany and I gave the, the largest single offering we've ever given in the expansion offering, the, the multiplied offering. And as we pray and, and, and seek what God has for us in the coming months, and, and really in November, we're going back into a, a time of, of expansion offering, we're already praying now. God, what, what's the amount that you want us to start setting aside now? We're thinking months in advance. How do, we, how do we give more? How do we budget just a little bit more? Am I willing to give up another cup of coffee? Am I willing to give up... Um, all right, I'll just be real with you. Am I willing to give up a subscription of mine? Am I willing to give up, I don't want to get canceled or nothing, but am I willing to give up another gun? Am I willing to sell something? Am I willing to give more so that the kingdom can expand? And so this morning, as, as you prepare to give, I want to pray a blessing over you. I want to pray a blessing over your house. I don't mean your physical house. I mean your, your, your generation that starts with you. Because we have an opportunity as a church, as a community, to give and give extravagantly. And so, Father, I pray that every single person who is giving in this offering will be blessed. Not because they were strong-armed into it, because they are willing to give back to you what is rightfully yours. And then we have the audacity this morning to ask that you would bless us in return. God, I pray that you would bless every single giver. That things would last longer because they're giving that they would have less anxiety because they're giving, that the peace that transcends all of our earthly understanding would be theirs because of what they are giving and investing. Father, I pray that you would help us to accurately see who you are 
and what you're doing in our lives. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said together, amen, amen. I'm looking at the comments here. <laughs> and Emily Miller said she's going to have to give up pumpkin spice candles. <laughs> that cracks me up. Um, I want you guys to know something. This series, we've got, uh, we've got three more weeks in this series, and I hope you're getting something from it. I hope it's helping you. Each week we're hearing something from someone else that, hey, this is really like, this is really different. And I know it's different, and we're, we're going to get back into the, 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 the preaching of the word, but I think this is something that is necessary for this season in our church. I want to encourage you, as, as someone who is on this journey with you, to put these things into practice. Start tithing. Start budgeting. Sit down tomorrow and start looking at, at what's going on in your finances. And I bet you're going to see what we like to call margin. Okay? Margin is this thing where you have extra. You just don't know you have extra. And there are some churches that I aspire to be like. There are some people that I aspire to be like that would have margin in their budget. I would love to get to the point where we have 20% margin as a church in our budget. That's my goal. So that way, when there are big things that we want to invest in, we can do it immediately. So that way, when the city comes to us and says, hey, we need help doing this, no problem. We're on it. So that when Vanguard comes to us, like they did a couple of weeks ago, and they said, hey, we want you to know Legacy is one of the most, if not the most influential church on the campus and we have an opportunity for you to come and be a part of one of our events. Would you please come? We said yes. I didn't, I didn't ask anybody. I knew this is the heart of our church. We love people. We serve people. And so I just want to give a quick shout out. On Saturday this week, be at Vanguard University from 3.30 to 6. It's two and a half hours. And guess what we get to do? We get to meet all of the incoming freshmen. And we get to tell them, hey, we love you. We care about you. There is a church. There is a life-giving, spirit-filled church that you can come and be a part of. And then watch. I just want to warn you, it's going to get to the point in the next couple of weeks where you will need to get here early to find a seat. And I don't say that as this hocus-pocus thing that I'm believing for. I just know what it's been like the last couple of semesters when the students come back. This place will double in a matter of three weeks because we're investing. And we're going to teach them to do the same thing so that they can do the same thing so that the next person can do the same thing, all right? So Saturday at 3.30 at Vanguard, talk to Kellen if you have any questions. He's going to be overseeing that. And then I would ask this. One of our partner churches, one of, one of our uh, outside overseers has asked me to come and preach on Saturday night at his church in Santa Clarita. And so if you would, pray for me. This is a church that has given thousands and thousands of dollars to our church, um, and, and helped us launch. In fact, uh, they gave us, right before launch, they gave us a check for $5,000 and said, we believe in Legacy Church. We want to help get you off the ground. We're going to pay your first month's rent. And then, on top of that, I went and preached a couple of weeks before we launched, and the pipe and drape that we normally have up here, they bought it for us. And they surprised us on stage. They said, hey, actually, like the pipe and drape that you see behind you is yours. You're taking it home with you. And in case you didn't know, it's like three or $4,000 worth of material that they gave us, and then they bless us on top of that. And I get to now go take a report back to them on Saturday. And so if you would, I'm just asking that you pray for me. Uh, I'm, I'm studying already for that message, but I am so excited to be with a church that has cared so deeply and well for us, all right? Hey, stand on your feet with me. I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to get out of here. Father.
I'm so grateful that you have not left anything out of your plan for us. I'm grateful that when we look at faith in the family and sex in the marriage and discipline with children and now finances, you have thought of everything and all we have to do is look to you. And so now I pray that you'd help us internalize these, use these rules, use these, um, these guidelines that you have for us in your kingdom so we can come alongside what you're doing. Father, I pray your blessing over the families, over the single people, over students and workers alike. I pray your blessing over this house, that your hand would continue to be on legacy as we grow, as we expand, as we believe for more. And God, I pray for those people who are watching online, that you would bless them. Father, I thank you for the commitment that they have made to being together online. And I pray that you would work things out for their good because of their faithfulness. Jesus, until we come again next week, I pray that you be with us, that you lead us and you guide us. We thank you and we praise you. And everyone said together, amen. amen, amen. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of our weekend experience. We will see you here next week. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Leave a comment and rate this podcast, but make sure to give us five stars. In the description, you can find the website, the socials, and all that good stuff. Special thanks to those who give generously. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to partner with us, you can click the link in the description below. Join us live on Sundays, either in person or on YouTube or Facebook, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.